Welcome to Engineering Leadership Insights, the podcast where we share perspectives, knowledge, practical advice, and actionable steps to help engineering leaders and managers become game changers for their teams, their business, and in life. I'm your host, Jimmy Banjo. In this podcast, we're talking about how to build trust in teams. This is the third part on my series of trust and the final part. And I'm going to give you guys some steps, some approaches you can begin to apply today, tomorrow, to begin to nurture trust in your organization. First off, we're going to start with a quote by Blaine Lee, which says, when people honor each other, there is a trust established that leads to synergy, interdependence, and deep respect. Both parties make decisions and choices based on what is right, what is best, and what is valued most highly. When it comes to building trust in organizations, you may now be with me and think, Jimmy, it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but why don't we do it? If everyone agrees it's important for people to trust each other, why do both engineering leaders, technical leaders, not invest the time to build trust? Yes, okay, we go out to Laka Pantropicana, we'll go out to Muscat, we'll go to a lovely you know, villa in France, or we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese's or the local strip club, get the team together, get some alcohol, team building, yeah, 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 rah, 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 we come back to work. And if you're lucky, your team will do something like that and hopefully not go to a strip club because I don't like them personally, but I'm not judging you. Okay, but even that isn't enough to invoke trust. But why don't people do that? Why don't, why don't leaders really invest in building trust among their teams? Well, one, it's hard. It's not a quick fix. You don't just do a team building at... at um, Jade Palace Chinese restaurant or taking them out for a trip into the desert for two days and expect everything to be resolved. It takes a long time to build solid trust. It's a continual, never-ending journey. So it is hard. Leaders are busy. So point number two, we have a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. And to make up the time to nurture trust, to check poor behavior, to talk to people who are, who are constantly undermining our, um, their peers, to review how we reward and incentivize individuals versus teams, takes up time. And a lot of us are already busy. But I will propose this though, or sorry, I will, I will make this uh, prediction. If you fix the trust problems, you'll create more time for yourself because you'll spend less time as a leader having to micromanage people who who have, who have not been trustworthy in the past. You'll spend less time putting out fires, being your team a lot more proactive to prevent those fires from happening because you have a better flow of information. You'll have more proactive escalation of problems, which will solve you, have, which will stop you having to spend months or weeks trying to put out fires after they've started. We don't see trust as a problem. A lot of leaders don't really see it as a big issue as the main issue. They'll say things like, well, Jimmy, that's nice. That's all nice kumbaya, hippie with the guitar stuff. But my issue is our projects on average are 45 days late and each project's duration should be two days. 
or on average, we overshoot our budget by 55%, or on average, someone always gets hurt at work. That's my problem. This trust kumbaya stuff is, yeah, you have to have time. But the reality is, the lack of trust is resulting in people getting hurt because a manager in the team saw that saw that there was a problem with machinery. He saw sparks, he smelled smoke. He needed to stop the line then, but didn't because he didn't know how you would react. So he left the line running and someone got hurt. That's the issue. So you have to make the link between the invisible, soft, messy, gushy, hippie stuff and the fact that someone got hurt. Or the fact that we, we've overshot our budget. Well, there was some uncertainty. The guys in the project team were not sure about certain points and they really didn't want to feel foolish and come to you again for clarity. So they decided instead of looking foolish, they continued working without the right information, without the right perspectives, without the right decisions. And guess what? They made mistakes and they had to rework the mistakes. And in the end, they did look kind of foolish and they overshot the budget. So trust does impact bottom line performance. And as much as I would love to say that by putting in the, you know, knowing where your finish line is, like I mentioned in previous podcasts, clearly defining success, understanding your performance gaps, having clear roles and responsibilities will improve. As much as I like to say that alone will make things better, it's not. People aren't going to really work through the hard improvements without the soft ones being in place because they won't be honest. So now we've looked at reasons why people don't trust. My last reason why people don't build trust is that we don't know how. So if you agree with me and say, okay, Jimmy, I agree that it's important. I will make the time. I do see the problem. I'm seeing it manifest in the work my team is doing. What do I do? Do I just buy a bunch of t-shirts and say, trust me? Do I take them all out to the Chuck E. Cheese's? For some reason, Chuck E. Cheese is on my mind and I, I don't know why. Okay, but you get my point. So this, the rest of this podcast, I'm going to take you through a few, a few points you can actually begin to, to apply to actually build trust in your team. So number one, you have to accept it's important. You're going to have to be building trust every day. It's just never going to end. It's not necessarily unpleasant all the time, but it's important. And you've got to make it a priority. If you don't accept that it's important and this needs to be your priority then everything else I say after this is going to be pointless. And so I recommend that you stop the podcast and go back to your team. But take the time to think, how important is building trust for you? And do you really believe it's going to give you the benefits you want? Okay, so number two, if you want to build trust, you have to be honest with your people. So don't lie. Don't make them feel foolish for asking questions, even if you're not allowed to give the answer. So, example, Jonathan in your department got fired yesterday and he didn't give out, he didn't hand out notice, he didn't give his notice, he wasn't allowed to serve his notice. It was decided for his, because of what he did that he needed to leave immediately. And so you guys, the company paid him his one or two or three month leave, but asked him to leave right away. And so Jonathan's team comes in, the other team leaders come in and they find Jonathan is gone. But the company policy is we don't want to say anything. So if someone asks, comes and asks you, so um, Tim, what happened to Jonathan? 
The answer is, we're not going to talk about it. Or you really shouldn't be so nosy about that. I'd advise you not to. Okay. So first of all, it's a bit disrespectful. But how do you think the team are going to feel? Someone who they thought was okay or they thought was safe in the role is now, has now been ghosted, vanished. And you now turn on them that they've done something wrong for trying to find out what went wrong. They've worked with this person. They've built a rapport, a relationship with this person. Whether you like it or not, we are human beings and we are emotional beings. So you've now taken someone out and this void is there. What will happen is rumor, that void will be filled with speculation and rumor. And depending on the state of the economy and the company, they may feel other heads are going to roll. And somebody will, be, somebody will fill the void with a rumor, and whether you like it or not. So you can either control that scenario by giving them, telling them the truth about, the truth about what happened, or allow distrust, paranoia to fester, because that's what's going to happen. I mean, do you really expect them not to realize Jonathan's gone? I mean, really, these guys are quite smart. You hired them. Now, I understand sometimes you're not able to tell everybody the full picture for various reasons. Sometimes you don't even know yourself what happened. But then be honest. I don't know what happened to Jonathan either, and I will try and get some information. Be clear about, even with your boss, if you can't say what happened to Jonathan because it's just too sensitive, spend a bit of time to work out what you're going to tell your team. So you can address a formal and officially why he's gone. And if their careers, if their jobs, if their safety is, so if their job security is at risk, it may not be, it may actually be, have that conversation rather than leaving to speculate. But every time you ghost somebody, that erodes your trust and erodes their faith in you as a leader. I mentioned before about not lying, and I want to come back to that a bit as well. It's really important that you don't just tell porkies. If you don't know something, say you don't know. If you don't like saying you don't know something, spend a bit more time doing research. But you're not a deity. You're not expected to have every answer as a leader. A great thing as a leader is to know where to get the answer. So if you need to come back to someone, come back. But make sure you come back. Third way to build trust is to deal with bad behavior or Deal with the perceived bad behavior in your team. So people don't think you're dealing, you're, you're having favorites or that you're spineless. Suppose you have a member of your team, let's go back and pick on poor Jonathan, who is disruptive. He is someone who holds on to information. He goes on campaigns of assass character assassination. He doesn't deliver his work on time or in full. His work is highly defective. And you just leave him. You leave him because it's, you know you leave him because an HR won't won't let you discipline him or retrain him or coach him or your boss won't. You leave him because he is your manager's cousin. You leave him for whatever reason. That means your team has less faith in you because they know you're not fair. They know that you make decisions not based on how hard they work, but on some other criteria they don't even know. So they may go out of their way to try and impress you. They may go out of their way to, to make Jonathan look bad, which is time they could be spending delivering for their clients. It's time they could be spending helping each other become more effective. But instead, they're doing a lot of, a lot of lip service to try and you know, get your attention and find your favor. Or on the flip side, they may check out. They may realize there is nothing they can do to please you, and they will just 
try less and less and less. Because you know what? You only listen to Jonathan. Or you, whatever I try and do, Jonathan's going to make me look foolish, frustrated. I won't succeed. And you're going to hold me accountable. And since no one can control Jonathan, why even bother? So now I mentioned perceived bad behavior on purpose because sometimes you're actually doing the right thing. People just don't know. So I'll give an example. Take Jonathan again. It's the two weeks before Christmas and your company has a policy of not granting any, co- any vacation until Christmas Eve because you're just really busy. You need to ensure that your website is up and running and you have five times the visitors during that period and just, you just can't afford to, for anyone to be away when there's a crash. So a member of your team, Sophie, comes and asks you for some time off during that period. She wants to go and a shopping weekend with her friends in Dubai. Things seem pretty much in hand and she feels that her, the other peers can cover it. But you tell her no, you really can't because people have come to you before and asked for this time off and you've said no one can take it. So for the sake of the team spirit, team solidarity, everyone needs to work. Sophie comes to work the next day. It's 10 days before Christmas and Jonathan is off. He's off. He's not off sick. He's just off. Now, there's no explanation about it. She comes to you. It's like, yeah, well, he had some other stuff he had to do. And yeah, he had, you know, he had to do a course or something. That would be quite upsetting for her. I'm not saying she'll be emotional or start crying, but it, it, can, be, it can be irritating. That actually, I came, I made the request. You said no, but Jonathan made the request. You let him go. Why? That's become, that's perceived bad behavior. Now, if there's a reason why he, he took time off, it was because maybe Jonathan had a, 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 an examination he had to take at, and it was university. So it was that day. And he told you two or three months ago, brought in the evidence for the exam. And that's why he could take the time off. And, um, he's agreed to work following Sunday to cover that time. It's not ideal for you, but you know, you want to be a little bit flexible because, you know, you believe in the course he's taking and he's trying to improve himself. Fantastic. But Sophie doesn't know this. Sophie also did not know that it was possible for her to take time off for an exam because she also had an exam as part of her master's that she would have loved to take time off for. But that wasn't made very clear to her. Instead, it feels like you're giving, you're giving Jonathan preferential treatment. So... If they can take time off for examinations or for certain examinations, as the leader, make it clear. Make it clear what the requirements are, what the evidence is needed. And if they can't, then, you know, you, you can't give Jonathan time off. So if the, if the issue is that he, can't, he needs the exam, then he needs to take the exam at that time, then you're happy to write a letter to his university to explain to the university why he will not be available for that exam. That's something you could do and to keep everything consistent. But you have to be fair, and you have to be perceived as being fair. So it's not enough for you to know that you're fair. I mentioned in a previous podcast about if only you know you're right, then you're wrong. Everybody needs to know that you're being fair. If necessary, when dealing with bad behavior, you will have to remove toxic people from your team. There are some people who just are not suitable not because they're bad people. Some of them probably do have some problems and maybe maybe bad at work or bad in that moment, but they just don't fit. They 
the work is too hard for them, too complicated. They they can't commit as much time. They just have the wrong attitude for what you're trying to do. They have the wrong kind of work ethic. And you've invested a lot to try and get them to turn around. You've really made a big commitment with them. You've, you've, made the, you've paid the price, but they still aren't coming. So then you have to let them go. It's tough, and many some companies are harder than others. I'm not saying fire them. You could move them to the team, another role, step them down from manager, or step them out of, you know, but find another place for them because where they are, they're not able to, to add value. Fourth reason, or sorry, the fourth way to build trust is not just entertain gossip. That's pretty straightforward. But it's amazing how many of us do this. So, yes, we think gossip is. You know, women coming and talking about, oh, man, look at Carol, snap. She's got, like, those shoes she wore last week. Look at her. Okay, no. What I'm talking about is talking about people's performance, even talking about people's performance behind their back. It's one thing, it's one thing to discuss performance issues with your direct report with your manager to try and figure out how to move it forward. It's another thing to allow a member of your team to come, have a sit-down where you go to town on a member of that team without any clear plan of how to move forward. You just go to town and badmouth a member of your team with somebody else. And that's it. And you're the manager. And if you're doing that, as much as the person you're badmouthing may enjoy the, 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 the dump, you're telling them that you're the kind of person that has this kind of ex-party conversations. So it's possible you're having those with, you're talking about that person, you're talking about person A, with person B and person B with person C and then person C with person A. You may not be doing that, but the fact that you have done that once or twice means you have that reputation. You, you run the risk of developing that reputation. So if someone does come to you and want, wants to dump a, a load of stress about someone else, that's important. You're the manager. You have to listen to that. But if it's really impeding performance, the conversation should really be about, okay, so what specifically do you need me to do? Should I talk to her about this issue? Do you want me to bring you guys in together and mediate a conversation? What's the problem? How do you want me to help? Because it's not helpful for you to keep coming in here and just complaining about the way this person behaves. If the person doesn't wear deodorant, you know, that's a simple solution. I'll talk to them. I'll, you know, we'll buy them some deodorant or something. But don't just come in here and complain and complain and complain. Number five, don't play favorites. There are people you're going to like more in your team than others. It's the nature of being a person. You, you connect more with some people than others. But when it comes to work, you have to be above, above that. As a leader, just because you like someone doesn't mean you keep giving them the sexy assignments or the interesting assignments. You've, and if you do really like somebody and that's the person you, you, you like to go out to lunch with and you buy coffee for and you hang out with and you go and play golf on the weekend, you have a, a relationship with a member of your team outside of work, and they're also highly competent, so they deserve to have that interesting assignment, then you need to make it really transparent to your team why that person is getting that quote-unquote treatment versus someone else who maybe feels they're worth it, but that isn't. And can you make it clear to the other people in your team what they need to do to be worthy of being picked for that assignment? So you have to be very transparent around your choices, if especially if there's someone you favor or you have a special connection with. Now, when it comes to things like who you have lunch with, who you buy coffee with, as a manager, you, you can't just have coffee and lunch with your friends. Well, actually you can, but you shouldn't if you wanna build trust in your team. 
you should have lunch and coffee and and spend time with people in your team who you don't really connect that well with. Because by spending that time with them, you're going to build that connection. You're investing in building that connection. So don't just have lunch with your friend. And don't just have lunch. Don't If you're going to have lunch with other people, don't necessarily have your friend along. Sometimes your team just want to talk to you alone without your best buddy in there who you know, will take over the conversation with, with inside jokes or will talk them down. So invest in people who don't, you don't know that well. And for senior managers out there, when you have, you know, you spend a lot of time with your direct reports, which is great. You're going to have lunch. Don't just have lunch with senior managers. Don't, have, don't just have lunch with people that you know. Go have lunch with people you don't know, with strangers who work for you, by the way. You know, with a cleaning lady, if you, you know, even she works for you. So go have lunch with her. Invest in relationships broadly. This is not about being superficial. It's about you want them to trust you and they can't, it's easy for them to trust you if they see you as a person. Number six, you need to reward your team on joint performance, not purely on individual performance. There is a time and a place for individual rewards. That's important because people do go above and beyond the call of duty and they should be recognized for that. But at the same time, you know, people who go above and beyond the call of duty need to do so to move the team and the organization forward. So someone who's done really, really well, but their entire team has failed to deliver, I would really wonder had they really done very well. The question mark. This is a bit tricky because it may require you going to look at your HR processes, your, your appraisal process, your compensation plans, but look for ways to balance the team delivery. So it may be that I may still have my individual targets, but part of my targets involves delivering quality to a certain person or having a, a rating by my customer. That is also part of my target. So I just can't send a whole bunch of pipes out to installation and say, I've hit that. But installation have to say, we were able to install 90% of, of, uh, of the fabrication pipes within 10 days. So it's in my interest now to ensure they have what they need. So it takes it may take some creative thinking, but if, if it's possible for people to to succeed alone while the entire team fails, then you don't have the right performance um, recognition and reward schemes in place. Number seven, don't make accusations or, or, or threats. Take action. If you're not happy with someone's performance, that's a, com- that's a conversation or a series of conversations or performance management or whatever you want to call it. But go through that process, whether it's an official process or your own personal approach, Deal with the issues. Don't say, if you don't do that, I'm going to deal with you. Or if you don't do that, I'll take your team away. Those empty threats. Don't, if someone comes up to you and asks funny questions, like um, I had a, a, a client who accused his team of being corrupt because they had a problem with the vendor. And they'd had a problem with the vendor for years. And he said, you guys are probably taking money from him. Well, what, what has that got to do with anything? If you think they could be corrupt, the action to take is to talk to your QAQC pro, uh, um, team or your internal audit, finance, you, have, you may have a mechanism, legal department, you've got, a, you have a mechanism, but just accusing them, you must be corrupt. You have no basis for that. So yeah, just don't do it. Just don't do it, guys. Number eight, don't compare one employee to another. There's an aspect of parenting that comes with being a leader, not a condescending way, because I don't think any parent ever stops being a parent. But so I don't see it condescending when I say it, when I mean that there's a parental aspect to leadership. 
as parents are told never to compare two kids. You don't ever compare your, your staff. Don't say because Timothy was able to, you know, get this project done in four days. I'm surprised you can't, you know, go back and go be like Timothy. The question should be, what's going on? What's wrong? Why can't you? What were your challenges? Yes, you know it's possible. And three days is a realistic target. You know that. But just saying because Timothy did it, therefore you should be able to do it, doesn't really mean you've solved any problems. Have you learned what their challenge was? Do you learn, have you learned where the opportunity was? It's fair for you to say, it may be fair actually to say, you know, why don't you spend some time with Timothy and see how he can help you? That's absolutely brilliant because you've, you've given a possible solution. Check back with me and let me know how that goes after you've had a day with Timothy. It may be you require some retraining. It may be that, you know what, the work you're doing is not exactly like Timothy's. But don't off the cuff, especially when you're dealing with, you know, engineer, knowledge workers, engineers, scientists, technology people, you know, mathematicians. You know, these guys aren't kids. These aren't, well, some of them are kids, actually, because some of them might be 18 working for you. But these guys are not stupid. You've hired them because they have a technical ability. And if you respect that and value that ability, spend a bit of time to kind of problem solve what's going on. Don't just blankly compare them to their peers. Okay. And uh, next point is set the expectation with your team that you need them to get along and get them to even help you co-build that expectation. I mean, so you st just tell them it's important for us to have an environment where we're not backbiting, we're not being vicious, we're not doing this. They'll chip in and give you their own perspectives about what's driving that as well and, and what you as the manager need to do, to do differently to create an environment where people will actually be trustworthy. So I'll leave you with this thought. Trust is something that is going to be required to lubricate your business, your team, to get them to open up with their problems, open up to you when they've done things wrong, and to hopefully help you solve a problem before it happens. There are various steps you can take or approaches or you can take to build trust, but I'm just going to reiterate, it's never going to end. And every day you're earning the trust of your team and you're getting them to earn the trust with each other. And it's possible and very likely you will do things as the manager that will erode the trust of your team. You will, you will let them down. You'll make a mistake. You will forget to deliver. You will not have the, the level of competency that you need to get the work done. That's, that's, that's part of being a human being. And you're going to lose some of the trust you have. You just have to start building again and rebuilding and constantly rebuilding. You may be in a bad situation right now where your team don't trust you, that they don't like you, that they think that you are out for yourself, even though you know you're not. Well, it's, it may be a long journey. It's going to be tougher for some people than others, but you know what? Let's take those steps and keep on taking those steps. Keep on taking those steps. And you will see an improvement. You'll see a turnaround. It may take months, but just keep at it. Don't give up because you're in a bad situation now. And also make sure that you deliver. I mean, you do what you say you will do. And you give the results to your team. That You, you, you give the team what you promise. If you'd like to talk to me about ways you can practically implement some of these steps, if this is not you know, practical enough for you, please send me an email at hello at folajimmy.com and um, I can give you a few pointers. If you would like to really have a 45-minute call to really work through some of the meat and potatoes of what you're trying to do or you want to share with me 
the great things you are actually doing and you just want that second opinion from an outsider, please, you can get a hold of me for free. Um, just send me a message on my, via my website by booking a free call. And you can do that with, at followjimmy.com slash consultation. But I will leave that link in the notes for this podcast as well so that you can get a hold of me. I would love to hear from you. Now, I'll leave you guys here. I hope you have a great rest of the day and I'll talk to you in the next podcast.